Welcome to Textonation. Joining us is Dr. David Feinberg, head of Google Health. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Feinberg. Thanks so much for having me, Fred. We should say that you lead Google Health, a, a team applying Google's expertise in, in AI uh, products and, and hardware to take on healthcare challenges. Uh, you've got a, a long career in healthcare. What we're talking about today is how people can cope with uh, all of the issues surrounding the, the COVID-19 pandemic and how they, what Google has to offer that might be of assistance. Yeah, Fred, I think coping is a perfect word. You know, when you think about it, this storm that we're living through has so many stressors. There's the worry about infection, there's job loss, food insecurity, uh, financial insecurity. The social distancing can lead to social isolation. And, and even before the pandemic, we had 48 million Americans that had signs of anxiety uh, with actually less than 40% getting treatment. And that has really just skyrocketed. So now a Census Bureau study came out last week that showed one in three Americans is suffering from signs or symptoms of depression or anxiety. You know, people come to Google every day looking for questions and answers, and we're seeing a lot of people asking us questions about anxiety. So today, we're happy to have made available uh, a clinically validated questionnaire, seven questions that helps people evaluate their level of anxiety. We want to increase their understanding. And then in partnership with uh, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, provide uh, information and resources for folks about what they could do next. That's terrific. Where can people find that? Well, if you just did a Google search and put in anxiety or anxiety disorder, um, you would see the typical blue links that you see when you do a Google search. But on the right-hand side of the page, we have what's called a, a knowledge panel. And this is where we've taken information and make sure it's curated from one of our trusted partners like Mayo Clinic or CDC or the World Health Organization. So if you did an anxiety search, you'd see that knowledge panel on the right. And this test is right there. It says, take the test. Uh, and folks can can then answer those seven questions to see where they are on a level of severity. In this case, for anxiety, we also have it for depression, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. We actually also have a screener for COVID-19, but three of them focused on mental health. Is there a tendency among many of us uh, not to take this seriously enough or to attach uh, the, the typical stigma to it when it comes to these kinds of issues? Yeah, and you know, it's particularly the worst one is actually for anxiety disorders. There's so much stigma, and I think we've gotten better in society, society but individuals themselves um, have their own sense of, well, I don't want to really want to admit this. For anxiety disorders, it can take decades before people actually tell a loved one, uh, tell a doctor, or tell anybody that they're suffering. So people kind of suffer in silence. And what we're trying to do is say, hey, look, take Take, get this information, see where you stand, and then provide resources for folks about what uh, is available and to decrease that period of time. So, yes, there's still a lot of people that suffer from mental illness that aren't um, getting help that they need, and that's what we're trying to address. I guess uh, the severity of all of this, I mean, we all face uh, from time to time health care issues uh, that goes with being alive. Um, we all face financial issues from, from time to time, at least most of us do. 
having all of this hit at once and the severity of them. I mean, you're not just talking about getting sick. You're talking about the possibility of dying without having a loved one near you. I guess that compounds everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're such social beings in this, this current situation, which has required us to separate from one another, particularly separate from one another uh, during periods of grief. If somebody, a loved one passed away, is very kind of non-human. It's not how we're designed to be. We're supposed to be together in these tough times and we're supposed to be able to support one another. And yet for public health measures, it makes sense that we had to separate. So uh, it is a rather unusual situation and all those other stressors that you mentioned, the financial stress, the kids being home from school, um, all of the food issues, all of that compounds to really create uh, a, a tremendous burden on people's mental well-being. Tell me what your thoughts are about those who are working in healthcare, from EMTs on up to the emergency room personnel and people who are working in intensive care units. Yeah, so the folks that are uh, there on the front lines, and I would include all the clinical folks, the pharmacists, the nurse, the docs, but also the great people that help clean the facilities and do transportation and provide food services, they are really, really in a difficult situation. In, as a clinician doctor myself, um, I never had been in a position where you had to make rationing decisions. Now, maybe you did in wartime, but most doctors in the United States never had to decide who gets the ventilator and who doesn't. Uh, most doctors and nurses in the United States never had to go see patients and not be provided the protective equipment that was necessary and never had they had to go home and worry that they may be bringing something back to their family. Plus, they had all the same burdens of everyone else. They had kids at home, and their spouse might have lost their job. They're worried about infections. So it's really been a tremendous pressure on our healthcare providers, uh, and we're seeing, um, uh, we want to make sure that they have the same types of resources for post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety disorders to keep them uh, as healthy and uh, as fit as possible. Is there anything that you can tell us about the, the some of the other work that Google is doing, uh, AI uh, and, 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 and other kinds of technologies that you may be employing to try to help people and, and help find solutions here? Yeah, sure. So, so one that we're doing that um, uh, we're excited about, and it's still in research, it hasn't become clinical, but I think it really kind of uh, paints the picture of the power of what, what artificial intelligence can do. So we, we've trained our computers to read mammographies. Uh, so when a woman has a routine screening for breast cancer, uh, um, we've been able to show that when our computer reads the scan, there's less false positives and false negatives. What does that mean? That means that a woman uh, who's told you need a nodule taken out actually uh, oftentimes didn't need it taken out, and we were able to identify that. And vice versa, uh, sometimes a woman is told your scan is normal, and yet there was a nodule that needed to be removed. And really what we, we think that this these types of technology will work great when we combine them with clinicians so that your doctor would have this tool to kind of improve the quality, allow them to spend more time with you than potentially with a scan and, and make, make better decisions. So that's an example of where we think uh, artificial intelligence could play a very important role in healthcare. And with, with COVID, I assume it's being employed in some ways too. Yeah. So COVID specific, we're making using AI to make predictions of uh, hospitalization levels about where ventilators are needed. So doing a lot of that same type of predictive 
analytics using it around, in this case, resource allocation. And once again, uh, the best place to turn would be to simply do a Google search, uh, perhaps for anxiety, and uh, follow the links there to, to get more information and, and, and help if it's needed. Dr. David Feinberg, thank you so much for taking the time with us. My pleasure. Take care. Now this. How many companies out there have continued to innovate when it comes to building a better radio? I'm Fred Fishkin, host of Textonation, and I'm here to tell you about the new CC SkyWave SSB radio from the wonderful people at C-Crane. Bob and his crew really love radio, and it shows in this new compact model that is packed with features. Beyond great AM and FM reception and sound, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world, listen to ham radio operators, aviation, and more. It's the radio you'll turn to every day, and in emergencies. It will run for nearly three days on just two AA batteries. Pair the sleep timer with the new Soft Speaker 3, and you've got the perfect radio for your nightstand. Of course, it can wake you up too. Click on Crane at Textonation.com and put in the code Textonation for a free flashlight with your order. They love radio, and you'll love Crane.